We humans do not think of events as unconnected dots or unrelated circumstances. Instead, we join the dots and tell stories to ourselves and others about our life. In other words, our experiences and our identity are constantly shifting and storytelling is how we make sense of it. These stories reflect who we believe we are and provide us with unity and purpose. Our internalized story that we create about ourselves of who we are is called by psychologists narrative identity. And that narrative identity impacts our behaviors and the level of our happiness. What's your story? Hello everyone, my name is Claudia Mitura. I'm a work psychologist and learning and development specialist. And this is Unhappiness, a big quest to explore very bold question, what makes us happy? And in this episode, Identity and Happiness, I am speaking with Leila Okai, a coach, mediator, inclusion and well-being practitioner who is a founder of an organization called Diverse Minds. We will be discussing with Leila how we shape our own identity, how who we believe we are impacts our happiness, and how to expand our internal stories to be happier. If you are a regular listener and would like to access some extra resources on happiness, remember to sign up to our monthly podletter. Just visit www.andhappiness.co.uk or you can follow the link provided in the episode notes on your podcast platforms so you can receive to your inbox a monthly boost of happiness. Welcome to Identity and Happiness with Leila Okai. Leila, welcome to End Happiness. I am so, so excited uh, to be here with you. I'm super excited. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited because we had a bit of discussion before the podcast, and I think it's so fascinating to really think about we create our identities by observing stories, listening to stories of others, and how we can almost retell our story and therefore expand our sense of identity. My first question about this process is about unconscious bias. What is unconscious bias and how does it really affect us and those people around us when it comes to our identities? Yeah, really great question, Claudia. And I think um, unconscious bias has been such a buzzword for so long. We've seen it in the news, how the government aren't going to have training on it more or how it's really bad. Some people don't like the word bias. Some people don't like the word unconscious. But essentially, all it is, is the way in which our culture, our upbringing and our perceptions shape our worldview. And often that can be really positively. So Claudia, like I have an affinity with you because we know each other, we've worked together. Um, I really love your name. And I used to have a neighbor called Claudius, who is also Polish. So I have positive affinity with that. Other people maybe who have never met uh, people who identify in the way that you do might feel suspicious or uncertain or might have read things. And so they're not open to getting to know you and they're not open to getting to know more about you. And it can be positive or negative, as we've said. I think if we think about bias, towards against 
against ourselves, we can think of it more in terms of schemas. So schemas were developed um, about children. So we have certain perceptions and certain expectations of ourselves. And so for me, schemas, what to expect from a variety of situations and how we then react to this are stored in memory and we know what to expect and we can have those schemas about ourselves. So I think really it's, it's about thinking about what's our cultural lens, what's our cultural framework, how does it help us shape the work, how does it help us see the world, but also how can it hinder us and we just see what we expect to see. Oh, I love that. We're getting deep now, Leila. Okay, so we have those schemas. You're saying we're developing them through our experiences that we had. And then they definitely impact the way we see the world. You're speaking about some of the things we tell ourselves can hinder us. So my next question is how then those schemas impact our happiness. I guess it's all the things we tell ourselves about what we can do, what we can't do. And sometimes, you know, there's that classic phrase, you can't be what you can't see. So I don't 100% agree with that. But of course, if we don't see people similar to us, however we choose to identify in things that we want to do, whether it's personal or professional life, we'll think, oh, that's not for us. So I think we can tell ourselves that because we don't see it reflected. So how that then impacts happiness is we don't take a chance potentially. We think I best not do it. That's for other people. You know, the way the conversations are, for example, no one really talks about working fathers. People talk about working mothers all the time. Why? Why are we not talking about parents having a work-life blended balance that's good for their mental well-being? We see things around who's an ideal parent or who's perfect for adoption, who's the ideal leader. Another thing I've been thinking about a lot recently is influencers and who does all the influencing. We know there's a huge gap between what white influencers get paid versus black influencers. So it's not that they can't do that. But again, the the systemic issue with the barriers and and the expectations around who is an influencer and who has the right to be in this space. So again, some of that we will absorb and that will rub off. I think all those things can really impact on happiness, um, how we see ourselves, what we want to achieve, how we can reach our goals. And of course, if our self-belief is dented in, we are less likely to achieve what we want to. And that has a huge impact on our happiness and well-being. Mm, yes, absolutely. And so many different systemic trends, those things that are surround us and we're going into this level of role modeling ultimately if I don't see role models similar to me achieving what potentially happiness I want then how I supposed to take that first step because this bias because the schemas they kind of sit in the back of our mind right it's not necessary that I wake up every day and think okay this is my bias or this is my story that I believe and I kind of understand how it maybe hinders me or not how can we become more aware of those specific factors in play on daily basis so I think it's really tricky actually I think we have to put in a bit of reflection uh, into our daily lives so building that space for reflection which people think well that sounds very obvious but it's very powerful and actually speaking for myself I'm very guilty of action and just going from one thing to the next and not really taking time to reflect I'll give you an example I was interviewing someone we had an apprentice role 
And we'd been through the first round of interviews and actually the person I really wanted to interview, she was on holiday, so we couldn't interview her. And then we didn't select anyone. So we invited her for interview. Um, and I remember that she had a double barrel name and I had this image of someone that was going to come through the door. She lived in Essex from her CV, you know, she had her address on it. And I thought, oh my goodness, we're going to have someone who's got this huge blonde beehive. So my perceptions were just all over the place, like, what are we going to get? And the person that walked through the door was totally, totally different. And so those moments that we have where we think, sugar, I really need to check myself. So making time for reflection, but also remembering those moments and thinking, when have I been really, really wrong? What can I learn from that? And I know I'm going to be wrong again. What are the assumptions? And we all do it. And we've all made huge mistakes. And like you said, it's not like we wake up thinking, oh, these are my biases. But when you have those moments where you think, oh gosh I'm disappointed with myself reflect on them think on them and say what's the learning I can take forward with this and also in terms of the stories that we tell ourselves it's it's saying to yourself where has this come from so you know school can be great for people but it can also be very very damaging and I think for me I was very lucky because the bias and the stereotype was that oh a South Asian girls and this was in the 90s so there were far fewer South Asian people at the school I was in it wasn't in London it was outside of London and um, are very good they're very academic so I was really encouraged yet if I hadn't been good at academia and I'd been really good at sports would I have been encouraged to be on the hockey team I don't know but I know from other people's stories that, that that's less likely to be the case so how we want to challenge those uh, biases stereotypes and stories and where do we search for the stories that resonate with us and can really help us in doing that challenge yes because this is so important because that shapes our identity so obviously later on we say to ourselves no i i'm not very good at sport or i'm not very good at science uh, or i really shouldn't do it because i belong to this category of a person when it comes to nationality race gender and therefore i shouldn't really try this even and then ultimately that impacts our happiness. So coming back to your point of that reflection, I'm so guilty of being judgmental, especially when I'm tired. So I struggle with the fact that I'm very energetic individual, but that means that my energy goes up and then my energy goes down. And when my energy goes down, my brain goes into very stereotypical judgmental uh, thinking. Uh, and then, of course, I'm much more prone to biases. So let's say at work, I need to really work hard to not to be making those very senior decisions at the end of the day, because I know that my decisions would be really biased. <laughs> so it's it's also knowing ourselves when those biases come in play and what our preferences are and how we can shape our world around us. I guess then coming back to the topic of inclusion and diversity, can inclusion and diversity change our story mm. and our identity, therefore? So that's a very interesting question. And I think what I would say is we have to also think about culture and we have to think about how our culture links to our inclusion story. What is our culture, first of all? So how do we define our culture? And we know that culture doesn't necessarily stay the same throughout our life. So Claudia, you and I might identify with a particular nationality, but we also live in a country where we weren't necessarily born, me and you. And so we then take bits of that culture as well. We've also worked in different organizations. We worked in quite you know academic organizations that be absorbed into our culture our friendship network our music and so that area of culture does adapt so if we think then about inclusion where do we feel included 
and how do we add diversity into a space? But it's not just about adding diversity, right? Um, from our identity, it can also be diversity of thought, diversity of practice, how we like to do things. And so we need to think about what, what are the spaces where my the diversity that I add is valued. Uh, how it can change our story is knowing that we're not alone, knowing that other people have had similar journeys, even if they're not completely the same, knowing that there's a space for us to download and talk safely and having that psychological safety and being in spaces where we're included and our diversity adds value and can change things for the better, which sounds very lovely and utopian, doesn't it? I think interestingly, uh, families can be a place where that doesn't happen too. So workplaces can be difficult, but I always say that with workplaces, you have policies and procedures. That doesn't mean they're always followed. But in family places, you know, when people say, I don't fit in with my family, it's fascinating, isn't it? It's often there's a group think in families. You've got to be like this. If you if you deviate, if you challenge, you get thrown out of the family, metaphorically speaking. So I think it's knowing those spaces where your diversity adds value, you can be seen and you feel included. And it, we often call it, my, my colleague Janet Morgan and I, the exhale space. What are those spaces where you can exhale and really be yourself? It's really interesting to see also how we become the rebels because you are championing the difference within the family. We're questioning the status quo. And then sometimes how that becomes a part of our story and identity. I'm the rebel. I'm a different here. And that's who I am. And I'll be challenging that story. But also, I like this moment of... I can just be myself. It also brings me to the entire concept of sometimes this idea that we have to categorize people and the more diverse background you have, the harder it is to belong to one specific homogeneous group. Um, And how kind of being across that network, sometimes it's like, where do I belong And if I don't belong anywhere, but I belong a little bit everywhere, would that still give me that sense of belonging and life satisfaction? I I don't know, really. (laughs) From my mixed experiences, I'm still trying to find out that answer. A a lot of us are, and I call it inside-outside. So you're you're kind of inside, but you're also outside, and, and you're not completely part of one society, not completely part of another society. And your point about being a rebel really resonated because often I call it the inner rebellion as well. So people think of rebellion as, you know, get on your motorbike and ride away from you from wherever it is in your leathers. You know, that scene is controversial. But I think you can take inner rebellion moves, things like, you know, I'm not going to do things this way. I'm not going to believe that actually, you know, this is this is how it always operates in this family or in this workplace or I have to be on a grade seven for 10 years before I progress or whatever it is. And there's steps of inner rebellion we can take to change our narrative, to change the story. And it doesn't always have to be these kind of really outlandish things that we do, but the steps that we take and how maybe rebellion can give us power. And we don't always have to rebel either. We can decide if and when we want to. And I think that then links to our values and our culture and our core. Mm, And I think sometimes simple questioning is very rebellious in the way when we actually make people stop and also make ourselves stop to reflect and question, but why am I thinking this? But why are you questioning it? But why this always being the case? Do you have any good, powerful coaching questions for us to ask ourselves about our identity to really reflect about our stories? One of the questions that we can ask ourselves is what stops me doing something? So what stops me 
doing this? What stops me doing that? What do I want to be a part of? I think your question actually, Claudia, which is where do I think I belong and why? Leila, any other practical steps for listeners to take when it comes to really expanding our identity? I'm speaking about expanding because I really think that if we want to be learning how to be happy, we need to almost experiment and not get really sucked into this is who I am and that's that. We want to try to apply the growth mindset ultimately Mm -hmm. that I don't know how to do this yet. I haven't try this yet this is not in my experience yet so any other practical steps for listeners to take to actually think about how they can expand their identity on daily basis it goes back to a concept of thinking about what are your negotiables and what are your non-negotiables so what do you hold really clear and dear and what are your core values in in essence and really really hone in on those and ask yourself that question and then what are your negotiables so what are you willing to flex on what are you what are you willing to compromise on where would you meet someone in the middle because if you have got too much too much of a I'm not negotiating that's not going to be helpful for your identity but equally if you if you're like everything's up for negotiation that becomes really tough too because you can be easily led or you can start self-doubting so to really sit down and work out okay what am I really clear on what will I not compromise on what am I willing to meet people in the middle on and what am I really willing to experiment and be flexible on and I think we have to recalibrate that it doesn't stay the same for our whole life but thinking about it in that way and that's actually a model from Julia Middleton who's the CEO of Common Purpose and she has some great videos so definitely that and I think like you said ask yourself those questions realize as well that this is an ongoing journey we're never going to suddenly get there it's not like one day you wake up and you're you're sort of blemish free of biases if you like it's more about thinking how things shifted how things changed what are the 360 perspectives i can get on something we've seen it at the moment with the war on ukraine of course it's horrendous of course we should be supporting but this you know really powerful tiktok videos about what about the silence about the other wars that are waging so exploring that and thinking why is this the way it is and how is this impacting me and what are the sources of information i can used to fact check. Oh, very great comment about what's going on with Ukraine right now, because absolutely, I think sometimes when it comes to our identity, we react from a place of me versus them. And therefore, if I'm not in that group in any way, then I don't have to worry necessarily about that. But you're right, because it was so much closer to Europe, it's in Europe then suddenly it kind of is getting that attention. And what about other conflicts that we just kind of brushed aside? Leila, this entire podcast is about happiness at the end of the day and learning what makes us happy. I'm just really curious, actually, because, yeah, we worked with each other before, uh, but I don't know what makes you happy, Leila. So what is happiness for you and what makes you happy? And I think this is such a pertinent question at the moment, because it, being honest with the listeners, Claudia, I'm really struggling with it. I think the pandemic has been really, I've been very lucky. I'm not saying woe is me, but it's been hard. And I think things that have once brought me joy haven't brought me joy in the same way. So my three things from the last couple of years, and I think number one is walking. So walking, especially with loud, really loud drum and bass blaring in my ears. <laughs> <laughs> That's that makes me very happy. That's the thing that really kept me going. And the second one is reading. So reading has been an absolute saving grace for me. 
and brought me a lot of perspective and joy. Um, and then related to that is audio books as well. So that I've been finding a lot of solace in in the last few months because I found it really, really tough. And I think actually just having that peace and quiet, which I never thought I'd say because you know, whenever I do these uh, personality tests, I'm always an extreme extrovert on like the penultimate highest score, but I feel like that's really shifted. So I think it's that, again, it's kind of the exhale space, but the exhale space on my own and just having peace and quiet at the end of each day to just take a breath and, and reflect and just be, be quiet. I don't want to say meditation really, because I don't do meditation, but just quiet space with a cup of tea in my, you know, in my bedroom, just having a pause before I go to sleep. So they're not very exciting, but I have to be honest and say it's the small things that I've really gained a lot of happiness from in these last few years. Oh, no, Leila, they are very, very exciting. I think it's uh, all about those ordinary moments, as we've seen during the pandemic, not the big, extraordinary kind of fireworks all the time, but those ordinary moments. So thank you so much for sharing. I know that you do absolutely fantastic work through your company called Diverse Minds. Just give us a little bit of highlights for any other, uh, for any listeners who would like to follow up, actually, when it comes in relation to your work. Thank you, Claudia. So yes, it's diverseminds.co.uk. That's the website. And I help organizations to create equal, happy and productive workplaces through mental health, well-being and race equity initiatives. And I also have a weekly podcast on focusing on mental health and inclusion called the Diverse Minds podcast. So you can check out things there and, you know, guess it's not just my perspective, but everything's from a global majority, generally from a global majority black and diaspora um, lens. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Leila, again, for coming to Unhappiness. It was so fascinating. I mean, it's always fascinating to talk to you. So thank you so much. And I'll catch up you soon. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Take care, everyone. Thank you, Leila, for all your tips and advice. Wow, what an episode. For myself, I'm Polish, but I have been living in the UK for the last 15 years. As my husband is English, I have an English family as well. My friends are from all across the globe and I work in a very diverse organization. So I must admit, I do find it tricky to categorize my identity. And questions like, where are you from? Or where are you really from? Very problematic for me. What resonated with me from Leila's advice is the following three points. First of all, exhale space. So this is the space where we feel we belong and where our diversity adds value. So just reflect, where is that space for you? I personally realize that the more diverse the group, the more at ease I feel. And this is, I guess, because diversity is something that we all have in common and no topic or opinion is ever obvious for people. The more homogeneous the group, the more similar people are in the group, the more discomfort I personally feel because then I need to explain why am I thinking differently. And I did notice that when I have those interactions and sometimes identity clashes, if you like, I do like to go back to my Excel space to just say, okay, I am okay and it's okay who I am. Uh, Number two, reflection questions. I think these are great to be really curious about our own assumptions and unconscious biases that we have. So just questioning our stories with, why is that? What if I would do it differently? I personally like challenging myself with questions 
What if I would go for that opportunity at work? What would happen? Uh, who I could become as a result of making different choices? And the final one is really interesting about non-negotiables and negotiables. So parts of your identity that you can flex and the parts that are definitely, they are fixed. And I can give you here an example from my own personal experiences with that. Since I am Polish and my husband is English, we do have cultural clashes. So we needed to really have a clear conversation what's flexible for us, so negotiable, and what's fixed, what's non-negotiable. So for instance, how we spent our holidays is very flexible and negotiable. So we both flexible whether we follow English or Polish tradition or skip them altogether. However, the equal divide of chores at home is very non-negotiable for us. So whatever our culture says about the gender roles, this is what equal partnership means to us and we are not negotiating about that. I hope those give you a few practical ideas to apply when it comes to your identity and internalized stories. If you have enjoyed this episode and you want to reflect more around your identity, check out Wonder and Happiness. That was episode 23 in series one. Uh, We discussed back then how what if questions can help us feel happier because they help us to get out of our comfort zone. So if if you're thinking, oh, I would like to reflect a little bit more, Wonder and Happiness, it's a really good episode to do that. As always, please leave a review. I mean, I get so excited when a new review lands on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. So please, please leave your review. I hope to see you next time for Joy of Food and Happiness, where I'll be exploring the concept of intuitive eating. But in meantime, and this is the most important thing, I dare you to be happy. Bye.